Welcome, everyone. Today I have such a wonderful guest, but before we dive into the conversation, I want to make a few announcements. I'm returning to host the book club on spiritual growth. In the past, we had a Course in Miracles book club, and now in 2023, we will read six books together during the whole year. I welcome all light workers here. This is a space to deepen our knowledge and tap into our inner wisdom to make decisions that align with our deepest purpose. We will start in January. You can sign up to be a member of the group by visiting my website, lukami.com slash book club. Use code bookclub23 to get a discount in the first three months. The other way we can work together is through private sessions. I offer hypnotherapy sessions in person and online. Hypnotherapy is a tool for life transformation that can help you change unconscious patterns that no longer serve your highest good and lead you to live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. In the sessions, you will learn how to use your inner resources to create positive change, release emotional and energetic blocks, access the root of trauma, and reframe it to free yourself from the influence it has over you. For more information, please access lukami.com, follow my social media account, lu.cami. And now I would like to introduce this amazing guest. Elizabeth Winkler is a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified meditation teacher with a virtual practice serving people all over the globe. Her transformational heart-mind healing therapy transcends traditional talk therapy and has helped thousands of clients ease their suffering and make powerful positive shifts. Her signature customized approach to healing and personal evolution is a multifaceted fusion of the ancient healing arts, modern neuroscience, and real-world practical techniques. Using mindful inner explorations intuitive process, she helps clients move beyond limiting beliefs and emotional blockages with an emphasis on heart healing and deep transformation. She also guides meditation sessions on Inside Timer, the number one free meditation app for sleep, relaxation, and more. Welcome, Elizabeth, to the podcast. I'm very excited that you are here today. I've been watching some of your classes on WellSet, and I love it. Um, mm -hmm. For those who don't know, uh, we are teachers um, at the WellSet community, and Elizabeth is teaching some journaling practices there. And I, I thought it was so interesting. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So could you tell us more about your cultural background and upbringing? My background and upbringing. So originally where I was raised was in middle America in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and I left there when I was about 15 and went, went away to school. I had an independent streak within myself, which I've kind of always had. So I went away to school in on the East Coast, where near you, Connecticut, for, oh. for high school, for boarding school. And then I went um, to New Orleans for college. And then I came to California, where I am still. I've been here for 25 years. And um, 
you know, my, my parents were very spiritual and, um, open to many different ideas, not like your typical, maybe what you would, if you have an idea of Oklahoma, it can be thought of like the Bible belt. Um, and I have great respect for all of that. It's not, I'm not putting that down in any way, but my parents were very influenced, um, by the East, um, and different philosophies. So I was the youngest of three and very influenced by that with my parents. And so from a very young age, I was interested in depth and, you know, sacred teachings and, um, learning about, you know, all, all religions really. And uh, my parents really nurtured that. So that was wonderful. But I always knew that I wanted to kind of like be in a helping position. It was how I thought of it when I was younger. Um, And when I went to college at Tulane University in New Orleans, I, I was a sociology major when I entered, but then when I read my mother passed away, right before my sophomore year, very suddenly, which is a huge part of my story, a huge part of the impact of my life and my teachings. And I took a psychology course, my beginning of my sophomore year, and it was like I was reading myself on the page. And I knew in that moment, this is what I'm doing with the rest of my life. And it's really evolved, obviously continues to to this day. Uh, That was a very long time ago. That, That was 20, like, 28 years ago when I found psychology specifically. Um, But I weave in now, you know, I went to Tibet 21 years ago in my 20s. I'm going to Bhutan in a week for three weeks. Yes. So I love to immerse myself in different teachings. Tibetan Buddhism was a huge, huge impact on me. Um, But just always like using the pain of our lives, the suffering, you could call it the fear as a purposeful tool. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, I went through a lot of pain and loss young at a younger age and was able to see that that was actually part of my purpose. And that's really evolved over time, which I can speak to more, but I'll pause there. Wow, love it. Thanks for sharing. Could you tell me more about how the loss that you experienced has shaped your choices and your career path and your life work? Yeah, so my the loss of my mother was tremendous. Um, It happened like she was diagnosed with um, a very, you know, stage four cancer end of May and died in August. So it was very quick and rapid and sudden, you know, and I was in between my freshman and sophomore year of college. So that was something I worked on a lot in my twenties and, you know, um, did tons of therapy, went to Tibet, went to Bali, did all the spiritual work and retreat and et cetera, et cetera. But it wasn't until a big part of my story is the influence of Michael Singer from The Untethered Soul. So Mm. I read his book. It kind of jumped off a shelf for me many years ago. And then I listened to his teachings before they were really public. Like I kind of found them and I was, this is a long time ago, was obsessively listening. And then I, his book, Surrender Experiment, came out the summer of 2015. I read it. I had a dream. Dreams are a huge part of my life doing dream. I started running dream groups when I was 21 years old. 
Um, I'm 47 now, just as a as to understand the 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 length of time. And um, after I read a surrender experiment, I had a dream about a fear fearful animal, a rat, which is what really represents resistance to me to me personally. I worked with the rat imagery um, in a meditation the next day, and by not resisting the energy, which I'd have to have a longer to explain all this. Basically, I worked with it. I said yes to it. I trusted the rat, which was, you know, in meditation was okay because I knew it wasn't. <laughs> and the rat turned into white light and it healed my heart completely of the loss of my mother. Now, this was wow, 22 years after she had passed. I believe that's correct. 22 years, I think. So I had done so much work and I thought grief is something I'll always live with. I'll always, you know, miss her. And I'm, it might sound weird, but it was like a miracle. It completely healed that hole that I felt I had in my heart. So that was a major, major change in my life. Because after that, I said, I have to change everything I do as a therapist. I, I, and so I got on a plane mm -hmm. after I flew, I was in Europe at the time. I got on a plane, flew back to Los Angeles with my kids and my ex-husband we were divorced, but we were together in Europe and we fly to Los Angeles. And I said, I've got to go be with Michael Singer. And I had been in communication with his community. I flew the next week and spent my first week with him, uh, you know, on his property, Temple of the Universe. And that's when everything changed in another way. And so Untethered Soul is very central to the work that I am aligned to or I provide you know, as an instrument um, that, you know, educating people about how the heart works and how it alchemizes and to get out of the head and to use the energy that's activated by fear or pain or loss. And that if you understand how to work with every activation, it becomes your invitation for you to be more free. And so I think that honestly, you know, I've been studying, as I said, as a little kid and growing up, all these teachers, but it wasn't until Singer that I really kind of fully was able to drop the mind, you know, now, am I saying I'm not in my mind sometimes? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Of course. But like that, I totally got, got that. So he is a major influence that shifted the way that I work with clients or groups or couples that really I'm, I'm, all my work is pointing towards heart alchemy and that you, every listener on this podcast is an alchemist and that you can use any, any challenge you're facing as the doorway to your abundance. Wow. I love that. Could you talk about a little more about this process of using our emotions to create freedom and mm -hmm. and what what is what is the process that you do internally to surrender yeah how how can you Thank arrive you. at this point of freedom well it's so i call fear a friend existing as resistance okay fear is a friend exists i have a lot of acronyms <laughs> <laughs> so so what i think of fear you know, what we resist persists. So if I can, I want to get you to be friendly with your fear. Well, most of us are turning away from our fear, turning away from our power, and then it controls us. So Ram Das said, we're all, we're all walking each other home. And the way I look at it is my heart. When I have fear arising, it's a hand reaching up from my heart saying, come home, come home to your heart, right? Most of us are living in our head, 
which is like the weeds growing from the seed in the heart. So if we're working at the level of the weeds and we cut the weeds, we just get more weeds. I want to bring you down into the heart. So you feel an activation. That's what I call emotion, activate activity, activation, rather than anxiety. If you've had an anxiety attack and you say, I'm anxious, you're going to go into more resistance because you have a negative, you know, um, relationship typically to that. Nobody wants to have a panic attack. But if I say, no, I can't handle this. I'm going to run to my head, which is going to add more energy to that anxiety. Right? So if I can say, okay, I'm fine with whatever my mind's saying, take an elevator down to my heart, pause, notice the activity within my body, breathe. Now this is, I have a practice called pause, notice, notice the weather within me. Notice the breath is like the wind. Notice the sky around the weather. Notice the sky beneath the weather. You know, that's one of my practices. I also recently in the last couple of months have created something that I think is like my 20 years finally crystallizing into a methodology, which I'm actually launching um, my first online course. And um, it's, it's based on this methodology. So the name of the acronym you're, it's a little, it's a little, sounds a little dark, but I promise it's all good. It's called hate. <laughs> okay. So the things that we hate, so many of us or not many of us, all of us have a feeling of not being enough, right? That's what our ego is based in. I'm not good enough. I, you know, our self-criticism, our pain, our suffering, whatever creates this feeling of not enoughness. And that's really our self-hatred, Right that creates perfectionism and overcompensating, et cetera. So the hate process, I have this little handout here, which I'm happy to send to you. Um, and you can share it with your, with your listeners, but the H is what are you holding on to? Okay. So what are you holding on to? So maybe it's fear, sadness, loneliness, you know, grief, anxiety. And then we would move into, you know, where is that in your body? Find that in your body. And then the A is, can I accept this feeling? Can I allow this feeling to be present? Aww. And most of us are like not accepting our feelings or not accepting our relationships. And that's like what I often say is, it's like having a flat tire and getting in the car and saying, I don't accept I have a flat tire. I'm just going to drive my car around LA, you know, with a flat tire. And what <laughs> happens to the, to the car? It, it falls apart. Well, that's what right. we're doing with our emotions. Right. So you might as well accept it's here because it is here it's happening right so accepting moves us from denying ex the the presence of this energy denying its existence to allowing it to be here right and wow. it really is often like a younger energy like an inner you know like a child within you that's been kind of locked away mm -hmm. so the a is accept and then the t is trust so am i willing to trust this energy we have two choices trust or fear Wow. And, you know, this is really where the alchemy comes. Love it. So, you know, am I willing to let go of control and to surrender my, my fear and allow this energy to take me on the path of healing, to take me on the path to its wisdom? Because I think, you know, my, my, my worry, my fear, my pain has purpose. I call pain power as I notice. So it has power. It has purpose. It has wisdom, but we have to align with it. We have to allow it to exist. We have mm -hmm. to accept it and trust it. And these energies, if you give them trust, they will walk around in your body. They will 
maybe inhabit a part of your body that needs it, or they will move out. So the final step is E, expand. Am I giving permission? Do I give permission for this energy to expand? However it would like, inside or outside of my body. And so that's the final kind of key that unlocks <laughs> the shackle of uh, the prison cell. And how do you put this together? It's like an online course. It's like uh, meditations, practices. So I've been, it came together really, you know, these things always just kind of happen. Um, I like acronyms. You know, the fear one came together a long time ago. Pain, pain power, as I noticed, came together, I don't know, a couple years ago. Hate came together few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. And then I started practicing it with clients and it's literally like, it works every single time. And it's a step, it's a very clear step process. So I, I'm leaving to go to Bhutan for several weeks. And I was like, you know, I'd like to have something that people can, can just watch and listen to um, on their own with the support of a video. So yeah, it's a intro and then four, four videos for each step and then an outro. And so then they can watch that. And it is, it's me communicating lesson and an experiential process, somatic energy work. And then um, there will also be a meditation attached to it as well. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I love, and I was actually reading about the heart surgery technique that you created. Could it Talk a little more about what is that? My son, um, I have two children. My son and I were in bed one day, like I was putting him to sleep. This was a very long time ago. I don't know how long ago, <laughs> uh, maybe eight, nine years. I'm not, maybe I'm not quite sure. Anyway, he was crying. He was, you know, I don't know what he, I don't remember what he was crying about. And I was putting him to bed and I had had surgery, which is why we use that word. We were talking a lot about surgery at that time. So I said, because his heart was hurting, I said, well, can I do heart surgery? Again, this has kind of happened. And so what I did is I took my finger and I put it down the center of his chest where the heart chakra is. And I started to pull from his heart with my hands, like I was pulling ropes. Uh -huh. And and I was like, wow. And I let my imagination kind of tell a story of what mm -hmm. I was seeing. I was like, wow, there's tar and ribbons and caterpillars and leaves and whatever. And I'm like, what are you noticing as you're pulling from your heart? And so he was like telling me and he went from crying to engaged and, and in his imagination, which is the prefrontal cortex. Mm. And then we cleared it and then we sealed the heart. So that was how it began. But then uh, my meditation teacher at the time was like, Elizabeth, this is really amazing. Like you need to teach us. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I was not thinking anything of it. She really encouraged me. And then over time, I started to teach it at an elementary um, local school here in Los Angeles. And children were really, I mean, the feedback testimonials were quite, you know, something to turn your head to that I was like, okay, well, this is something children were, I remember our kindergartner, I'll never forget. We, it's an eight step. Now it's eight steps. It's a method. When we had cleared the heart, I asked her to notice how it felt. And she said, now I know what it means to be open. And um, then I remember, yeah, a fifth grader saying, I feel levitated. Like there are just many different, you know, so, so that now it's, it's really a methodology. It's eight steps. It involves drawing and art. And I fortunately in 2018 was at, I was asked to go to um, 
West Africa to Sierra Leone. Um, there was a community of children there who lost their families to Ebola. And I had the honor um, to teach them my different mindfulness teachings, like pause a settle. And I have a bunch of mantras on lemons because I make lemonade out of lemons. Um, <laughs> and then I also taught heart surgery, but that was the main teaching. And I really, you know, it was, so we made kits. We made kits because I didn't want to go to Africa, teach, and then be like, bye, you know? So I wanted the kids to have a little kit. And so they had these really lightweight heart surgery kits, which had the the pins and the little whiteboard and the wow. and a booklet with all the steps written in it. And um, so, yeah, so we made 300 kits here in my house out of the ethers and packed them up and flew to, I flew to Sierra Leone and I was like, I have no idea if this will translate. I've only been teaching it in Los Angeles and it did. So um, that's something that, that is still available. And, um, you know, I, I think it really is not just for children. It's really for anyone. And that's my passion is, you know, what Michael Singer talks about is really clearing our heart, having an empty and open heart which might, if you like empty heart, empty heart is available and open. It allows things to come and go and to be present when our hearts are full of, of pain. Um, but also what we cling to like, Oh, I want more of that. You know, um, what we cling to, what we resist is stored in our heart. And that doesn't allow us to be really present with the beauty of our lives. And so my, my true passion is to help adults, children, families, couples, people going through any kind of loss to be able to use whatever you're you're facing as your doorway to transform and heal. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. And I love to see that you are so intuitive and you've been, you know, experiencing life and getting information from your experiences to create such powerful tools to to help others it's very interesting and you are working with the subconscious because the, the subconscious speaks through images and when you create these visualizations you are actually working with the subconscious i would like to know a little more about especially now that you were talking about the heart and pain and suffering what's your approach when you are working with couples that are perhaps dealing with conflict or getting divorced so that's a huge place that I like to focus because I went through my own divorce, um, which, you know, our own experience is such a teacher. And when I entered mine, um, I saw how loud the voice of fear is in the world of divorce and, you know, going into therapists, you know, rooms to talk about how we were going to communicate to our kids, to meeting with lawyers. Um, you know, especially when I was meeting with lawyers, I would leave feeling more toxic energy. And I was like, I do not want, this is hard enough. I don't want to do it this way. And as I mentioned in the very beginning, I've always been very independent. I'm Aquarius. And so Aquarians are very much who they are and they can't really fit into a mold. So that's been a very powerful way for me to work. And I knew that I needed to do it differently. 
And so I wanted to change the face of divorce. And I wrote a piece called Changing the Face of Divorce. And I really, I went after I spent time with Michael Singer, that first time was August of 2015. I went back again a couple months later to talk to him about my perspective, which at the time I was calling mindful untethering, which is how to use basically all of the teachings of untethered soul and how I've evolved my own way of looking at that. Um, through the through the lens of divorce or any loss for that matter. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, um, basically, you know, what happens when we get a divorce is we often go into fear and the, the loudest voice in the, the world and what your friends and lawyers are even telling you are you need to protect yourself and all those things, which may sound very like people might be listening saying, yeah, of course you have to. But often that just creates of a division. And so one of the most powerful things I heard, which changed everything for me was that your children do as well as the bridge between you two. Okay. Like your children. And so I always talk about that bridge. So um, if my ex-husband and I are able to communicate, like the, the kids can run back and forth on that bridge. And I have a visual of that. Like it's like this beautiful abundant bridge. Or it's like Indiana Jones, if you know that movie, the rickety bridge, like if we're not communicating, like that, that that's how the children will feel. That really had an impact upon me. And so that's why I chose to allow the energy and no divorce is easy, um, but the energy that came up of my own pain from my, my marriage or my divorce to work with me, you know, to work with that alchemy. Um, So what I, what do I offer? People know that because um, on social media, on Instagram, I started to share that I was divorced when I was in Hawaii with my ex and my kids, or when we were in Costa Rica, I would share that. People were like, how are you doing that? And so people wanted to come and see me for that reason. So I meet people where they are, um, and give them options. The thing is not a lot of people know that you can do it that way. And that they're, and, and my biggest thing is you don't need to, I can share my experience, but that's just one experience. Every, there's billions of ways to do it and you need to find what works for you and your kids. But for anyone that may be listening, who may be facing a loss of, of a relationship, meaning a breakup or divorce, a really helpful tool is to think of is whenever you're in, you know, a, a, a fight or an argument or a challenge is to really put your focus on your children. I worked extensively with lawyers and other therapists and other mediators and what every single person who was working in this field of divorce said is when you put your focus more on the children and less on what I need or how I need to protect myself, what's best for my kids, it's like magic. Every, the flames go down and we get more into connection and cooperation and care, which is really our higher self. When we're cooperative, we are working at our higher self. We're working at our abundance level and we open up to new pathways that each family can create for themselves, right? Rather than what, what you know, what I'm saying or what someone else is saying. I mean, I'm not even saying that someone should listen to me, find your own path and let your own imagination create the own, your own way to 
evolve your family and it doesn't need to be what anyone else is doing. Let yourself find that path. But I think that the way we find that is getting out of the fear space and putting the, putting your focus on your kids allows you to access what you're talking about, that collective unconscious that is, you know, filled with wisdom and filled with healing power. Wow. Yeah. I love it's like working for the highest good of, of, of all, right. It's like working for not only for your own benefit. And I think a lot of the times people get into this, um, into conflict, it becomes just an ego battle, right? I want this, I need that, you did that. And it's, it's, it's so unhealthy. Another thing that I would like to ask you is about, um, well, I, I got divorced um, a year oh, ago. You did? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so the first thing that I heard from my grandmother and my mom was, uh, you, cannot, you cannot be alone. You cannot be alone. They come from a generation in a, in a culture background where the woman is more like, um, it's not, you know, it's, it's a completely different situation for them. They need a man to, 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 to feel safe. What, what is your approach when you are working with women that are, that don't have kids and, mm -hmm. and, and they are getting to divorce and how do you, is there any approach that you have? I know that you just said, like, trust your own path and what works for you. There are people that say to you, like, don't rush into another relationship, right? Um, what would you say about this period of grieving and then opening mm -hmm. the heart again? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, you know, different for every being. And I would say that divorce typically creates a lot of mud, right? In your life, you can feel a little muddy. It can feel stuck. It can feel um, painful, obviously, bewildering. When you lose any relationship that's been a steady relationship, um, there's a reorientation that we all go through of like finding your own footing of learning how to manage things that maybe your partner managed or who am I the questioning of who you are now. And that can be very painful. It can also be very liberating. A lot of people leave relationships and feel like they can breathe again because they've been suffocated in some form or fashion. So I think it's a bit of both. Um, but the mud, I'm, I'm all about the mud. If you haven't noticed fear, <laughs> pain, hate, <laughs> you know, no mud, no Lotus. So trust the mud that you sit in, you know, be with it. You know, um, I wouldn't listen too much to necessarily even what I'm saying or what your mother, or I'm not talking to you specific. I'm talking to anyone listening. It's like, listen, find that space within yourself. I would really encourage meditation. I think that it's the most important thing I do every day, finding a meditation practice that feels good to you, not because I have to do it, finding something that really helps you come into your being and allowing yourself to blossom and grow and take time to get to know who you are in each moment. Because I do I always say like life is a river, but so are you and so am I. And I think that we can, obviously when you go through a divorce, you change so dramatically, I feel. 
Um, and that, that, that you can feel like there's a loss of things, but there's also a rebirthing. And so it's like working with intention, working with attention, which meditation helps with. So what is, you know, what do I want today? What intention do I, do I want to trust more? Do I want to bring in gratitude? Do I want to bring in peace? How can I be a vessel of that? you know, in my life, just simply asking the question and then remembering that your attention is where attention goes, energy flows. So, so like if I'm attending to who I used to be, I'm not where I am. I'm not appreciating who I am now. Now you might not like who you are right now. Cause maybe if you identified as being a married person and you're single and you have no prospects that might feel like, I don't want to, I don't want to attend to that. <laughs> well, that's the med there's a purpose to that. So can we just allow ourselves to spend five minutes with that today or one minute or one second, you know, whatever you can handle, but finding, you know, I think it's so important to find, you know, uh, self care programs that work for you. Meditation, mindfulness, yoga, therapy, communities, groups, classes you can take, you know, in your community or online, other people who've been through through it, you know, so you don't feel alone. I think community is key. Um, but yeah, as far as like getting back into the dating world, gosh, I mean, it's, it's all over the place, you know, it can be fun. It can be crazy. It can be, um, terrible. <laughs> like, I mean, I certainly have experienced many different facets of that diamond, but um, I don't believe in rules. I don't believe in, I feel like you got to find your own, your own yes path. You know, what feels, so, so I'm really big on letting go of the word should, you know, that Albert Ellis said, you know, stop shooting all over yourself. So our parents or our community or our friends may say, you should date, you should really, and it's like, shift your should or supposed to, to want. So I, so if I say I should really be dating, I'm going to say to myself, I really want to be dating. And I'm going to check in and see if that feels like a yes or a no. And I might be like, you know what? I'm actually feeling really good alone right now. I'm enjoying this. Like I, I have so much on my plate that I am, my life is full and I don't know that dating right now would be the best choice for me. Or I might say, I should be, I should be dating. Okay. I want to be dating. Yeah. That sounds like something I would like to try out right now. So I think playing with, with that could be a way to kind of, if people don't know, am I aligned? That's a good way to work with seeing what feels like a yes or what feels true to you. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love okay, good. I love stop shooting, shooting yourself. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, this is amazing. And uh, so it's been very interesting to, to know more about you and you're such an inspiring person. Oh, thank you. What practices do you do? You said you do, you practice meditation, but how, how do you recharge yourself? Because it's not easy to be giving. And I mean, if one is a true exchange, then it feels very uplifting. I feel that in my work as well, in my practice, 
most of the time I feel very energized after my sessions, but eventually there are moments where I felt, I feel very drained, very drained. How, how do you recharge yourself? Mm -hmm. I feel very energized. I would say most of the time I work a lot, but I am love. I love what I do. Like I love it. So I work pretty long, long days, but, I, but to me, they're not long. <laughs> you know, I like to work back to back to back to back because I kind of get into a flow and then I'm just, you know, here you and I jumped on and, and we're just flowing together, you know? So it's, it's just about merging with the present moment and the human being I'm with. So I love that. And of course I have practices. We all need practices. I start my day with meditation every day. First thing I do is I listen to a meditation. I like to listen because mm -hmm. I'm at, to your point, I, um, of course I could guide myself. I've been meditating for, you know, over 20 years, but, but the way that I meditate now is different because mm -hmm. I, in 2020 really changed that for me. Actually, I started meditating in bed instead of like at my altar just, I don't know. I felt, I think, cause I was working so much, like my starting in 2020 mental health went through the roof, you know, I was working and I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to relax. I'm going to press I play on my meditation. And to me, it felt like I was being carried by whoever's leading me. And I just love that. I love lying in my bed, list, put my AirPods in or don't hit play on my meditation and listen to it. Sometimes I listen to one, sometimes I listen to two, sometimes I listen to three. Depends on how much time I have. Can I ask but, you, what do you listen? Who do you listen to? Sure. This morning, I listened to two different people on Insight Timer. I have a, I'm on Insight Timer. Oh. Um, David G, David G, who I did my teacher training with, who's I'm very close with. I met with him just right before this. He is, I loved all of David G's stuff. Um, I forget who I listened to before him, um, today, but, uh, and then I also, I'm, I'm connected to the Monroe Institute and I'm going to be doing, um, teaching with, I think I'll be teaching some, some grief work for them potentially. I'm looking into that. Um, they have an app too called expand beyond meditation. Mm. And that's very different than your normal meditation. They do a lot of out-of-body experience, astral projection, healing. Mm -hmm. I've been a beta, I'm a beta tester for their app. I have been mm -hmm. for a year. Mm -hmm. And so that's a whole different like realm, but it's super cool. You can do oh, timeline shifting mm -hmm. and yeah, but it's not for everyone, but it's super cool. And so sometimes I listen to that, but usually I start my day on insight timer. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I, that, that's key. I mean, I don't know what I would do. I can't imagine what my life would be like without meditation. And then throughout the day, I meditate. And then, I, you know, at the end of the day, I often go to bed with the meditation. Um, and, you know, obviously spending time in nature um, is for me very key to grounding, um, going for walks or runs. I like to, to run when I have time. Um, and I'm going like I'm going to Bhutan, you know, in a, a little over a week for a few weeks. 
So that will be a major reset or recharge. <laughs> and this recharge is going to last for many months. <laughs> yeah. For years. Yeah. But like, but like using my methodologies, you know, I have like the hate, but the other day I was feeling like tight, you know, about something like constricted. And so I used my practice and it really helped. And I have all these mantras that I teach and I use them. Like, so I, it's not, I'm not just teaching something that I don't use. Everything I teach, I use. And I wouldn't waste anyone's time teaching them something I didn't think was effective, right? right. So I think it's, for me, you know, meditation is a wonderful grounding tool, but you got to live it if you really want, you know, it needs to integrate into your life. Otherwise, if you're just leaving it at, at, you know, your altar at 630 in the morning, and then that's it. Um, you know, there's not a lot of peace in your life from my own experience. So all these tools, like my mantra teachings, um, my pause practices, um, are ways to, you know, weave in mindfulness and meditative practice into all the traffic and turbulence that we face every day. Right. I love, thanks so much for sharing that. And I love that you walk the, you know, the talk that you are embodying the teachings because I've seen sometimes people that are in the field and they, you know, they're not practicing, they're not using the tools, no, and I think it's very important that we remind ourselves that it, it, yes, we need to we need to take care of ourselves, and uh, we need to to work on ourselves first before we we are there working with others. So another thing I love, another thing I just have to mention this for anyone that hasn't done it because some people don't realize how rejuvenating this is, mm -hmm. especially for healers is an Epsom salt bath at the end of the day. Oh my gosh, I, I mean, just had I just had a bath. I, it is, it's really like everything. I love taking an Epsom salt bath at the end of a day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like a complete clearing of energy. So especially for anyone that's listening that maybe have a done a lot of work, like say you mm -hmm. did a big session with someone, go take an Epsom salt bath, listen to a meditation or listen to some music that kind of really helps kind of drain out or clear out any debris that we're still holding on to that we may not know. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It is very soothing and calming. And I also add some essential oils. Oh yeah. yeah. Me too. I love that. It, it is amazing. And I thought, I also, I also think that when we are in the bath, in the bathtub, we are, you know, we are, we are having a body memory of being the womb. Mm -hmm. and that's so powerful. That's why it's so Absolutely. relaxing. It's so it feels so safe and yes. comfortable, which is key mm -hmm. to everything, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Elizabeth. How people? How can people find you? Well, um, I'm very active on Instagram. E, it's E as in Elizabeth, so just the letter E. Winkler, that's my last name. So E Winkler therapy is my Instagram. There's also one for the heart surgery kit called heart mind healing kit, but you can find that on my E Winkler therapy page. And then my website is elizabethwinkler.com. Um, that the hate 
course, which won't be called that, it'll be called Unlock Your Bliss will be the name of the new course, Mm -hmm. Unlock Your Bliss. And so it'll be a heart healing and transformative practice teaching that anyone can access. So, and there's a lot of free tools on my website. People can download. Um, I have worksheets like for the full moon, for the new moon. Um, I have steps for anxiety and fear. I have a lot of different things that are free for anyone to, to get mm-hmm. um, and meditations as well. Thank you. <laughs> it was wonderful. Thank you. This was so nice to connect with you.